This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get delivered to your door for a fraction of the price you'd pay in stores. To learn more, visit casper.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. It seems like it's been a long time since I've talked to you. Uh, I think <clears throat> it has been. Um, yeah. August is complicated. Hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. I'm a little bit uh, behind my skis here. Um, I got a... I'm not a late start. I just left the house late. I didn't time it well today. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. But I'm here. You you were here before me, so you know, you get a you get a badge today. Well, I'm just you know, I don't need your stinking badges. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, it's still but, nice. I mean, you probably put it in a box or something, right? Uh, I do. I have a box for the. Ba- I have a box for badges. <clears throat> what yeah. are some other recent badges that you've gotten? Uh, uh, any well, kind of it could be a, a major or minor award. Uh, any kind of uh, just uh, being recognized. Have you gotten any ribbons or ribbands? Um, I do. Any, I have a, a recent ribbon for you know my my um, King Neptune came with a sash, various sort of adornments, but oh, but also like a ribbon with a star on it that looks kind of like a the type of medal you would get from the King of Belgium. Oh wow! And it goes great on a blazer, and you can wear it without you know you show up to a party in a sash, and it's it's like. <laughs> I've always loved that in like in older movies, uh, especially. I'm thinking movies up through the 70s and the 80s, probably. But I'm thinking of going all the way back to something like maybe Duck Soup, where you've got like somebody who's going to be a how do you, how does one put this? Uh, represents some primitive country. Like, uh-huh. So, but like, so whether that's a guy from Asia or Africa or whatever, I love, I love the blending of something local, primitive and tribal with something incredibly Western. So it'll be yeah. like a guy, like a cool Sufi turban guy, like, but with a suit jacket, mm. you know, I think that's a good look, especially for a villain. That's a great, great look. And if you can add some, there's nothing wrong with adding some epaulettes and, and some ribbons to that and a little bit of a, an ornamental star. Yeah. The, the, the colonial, uh, like, uh, sort of pompate jacket. Somebody who's like you know who's uh, let's say they're a member of the uh, they're a uh, I don't, what are of a commonwealth. Uh, what would you be? You're a subject, a subject of the commonwealth. Yeah. What? Who? Yeah. Um. Not. A, it was. Yeah. But if I'm you could a be like you could behind be the, my skis too. Okay. Okay. Uh, you could be like the grand mage yeah, of the, the mage. duchy of Portlandia. Portlandia. What's the matter? What happened? What did I do? Did I lose you? No, no, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing I don't get enough sleep. <gasps> no, I'm, really? I'm, I'm realizing it <laughs> pretty strongly, <laughs> pretty strongly right now, right, right. in this very moment. Hmm. Right, just, I'm like, I, I, as I was setting up for the show, I was like, I'm fine, right? Right? I'm fine. I've gotten enough sleep. Yes. I've gotten, I've gotten enough enough sleep i don't don't like to talk about the show on the show but we should mention something to our listeners may i mention something to our listeners yeah yeah, yeah, it's not it's not surpassingly personal um for a very long time i'm I'm gonna talk about the show on the show for a minute because everything that's on the show is in the show 
Okay? So here's the okay, way this works. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's a little warm up. And I'm also breaking the other rule by addressing our addressing I'm addressing our, our listeners. You're, you definitely never want to address them. I'm going to address them this one time. I'm donning my sash. Wow. And my my Sufi blazer. Mm-hmm. Um, for a very long time, John Roderick and I have recorded this program. Sometimes we reschedule, but like pretty consistently every Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. What, whatever that's that you got a saving or a non-saving uh, daylight. We, we, we record at 10. And then I, yeah. I put up the show pretty quickly after that. You were, you were uh, uh, doing the kinds of things one does toward the end of the summer, rejiggering your schedule, getting things straightened out. And, and you asked me something that I found uh, shocking, given that we don't always start exactly at 10 for a variety of reasons. But you said to me that you wanted to start recording our program one hour earlier on Mondays yes. at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Yes. And, and as is so often the case off air with you, I said, mm, you, you sure you want to do that? Yeah, you did. You said exactly I, uh, that. That's kind of, I said that about a couple things in the past, and uh, that that was one of them. I said, you, you, you sure you want to do that? And you were you were uh, you weren't having it. You were like, yes, this is a thing that I want to do. I want to be a person who is who is up earlier. You have things to do, and this would help you conduct your life in a better way if we started recording the show earlier. Yeah. And and I said sure, and, and you know what? So far, it's gone pretty well. Yeah. Now, here's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Here's the other uh, thing I want to address in you. Mm. I know what you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. I most of the things, all the great shows in which I am involved, uh, with the exception of the show with our friend John Sarkisa, uh, all the programs I do start recording usually 11, 10, 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I will All the think, great a.m. All the great a.m.s. And I'll say to myself, I'll say, you know, you're fine. You're good. You've had a coffee. And then the time uh, for talking mouth words starts, and yeah. I realize I'm not really ready. Uh-huh. So I guess my question, as I address in you, is: um, Did you regret the change? Would it would well, it have made any? As, as Todd as Todd Rundgren asked the musical question, uh, would it have made any difference? What, what, do Do you feel like I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Famous Todd Rundgren Todd Lundgren song. <laughs> Peter Frampton, but close enough. <laughs> no, it's Todd Lundgren. Todd, oh, Todd uh, Lundgren. He's that guy right. with the Sufi blazer. Yeah, Todd Lundgren. He's the one that wants you to work on Saturdays. You wouldn't have made any difference if you really loved me. I think I'm ahead of your skis today. Um, so, so, you know, we could go back to 10. We could make it 11. We could do it at night. I had a big coffee, and now I'm having a Stewart's Fountain Classic orange and cream flavored soda. I wish that I was so far into my day that an orange soda was even possible. Yeah. As you were talking, uh, not that I wasn't, you know, like really right on the rails of the of everything you were saying, but also I I was like, when did I send my last text last night? We talked at 9.05 Pacific time. You and I did. Yes. 9.05. But I, I, I did but my traditional reminding, uh, my, my uh, traditional reminding of the show. Yeah, and it's great that you do that. You're like, remember, we're is doing it great? Is it great? It's not annoying. It's still, you still like it, right? No, it's wonderful because it makes certain that uh, it makes certain that we do, that I know. That we keep the skis on the rails. 
Then we keep the skis on the rails. And so the last text I sent last night was at 3.37 a.m. What? And then I got a text. I'd already been up to pee at that point. Yeah, I know. 3.37. I got a text from somebody at 3.43. But I was... So between 3.37 and 3.43 is when I finally lay lay my head down to sleep because I did not receive the 3.43 text mm. until this morning. Hmm. So 3.37, and then I woke up. Then uh, So my phone plays across the universe now to wake me up. That's a nice... The, the, the Beatles version of that song. Yeah, it's very nice. Oh, it's a good that's way to nice. start the day. And that happened at 8.37. So that is hmm. five, right? Hmm. Five hours. It's good. It's good enough. It's, you know, if you round it, it's about five hours. One wakes in the night and doesn't know it. Oh, unless I know one, it, though. Unless one tracks one's sleep. As, as I'm tossy-turny. You're tossy-turny. You're tossy you like that whole bed. You know, don't touch my feet. Don't touch my feet. Well, you know, I was. it's funny. Uh, it's funny because... My daughter's mother, Ariella, was reading some old emails from... Uh, between the two of us, she and I, that we wrote when she was pregnant. And it was, you know, this was a, a pretty, pretty fraught time because we weren't, we were embarking on this journey to have a child together, but we weren't doing it in the context of like, well, now we're together, you know, you're pregnant and so we're, we should get married or we're going to. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to move in together or anything like this. We were doing it. We we're making this decision to do this secular thing. I, I always thought of it as I know this is not accurate, but it's almost like you guys were divorced without ever being married. Yeah, like we later on, we <laughs> joked that we were either the 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 divorced couple that got along the best in the world or we had a really, really dysfunctional marriage. <laughs> the most dysfunctional marriage is where you forgot to get married. <laughs> right. Or we're the best divorced couple that ever was. But so we were, we were going into this like eyes wide open. And of course, everybody was telling us that you couldn't do it. You know, her people were just telling her every kind of story about how it wasn't going to work, how... You know, she was going to end up alone and destitute and raising the child on her own. And, you know, that I was clearly um, shirking my responsibilities and that, you know, if she didn't have me tied to the ground with legal requirements that I would just flitter off like Uh some kind of drug addict rock person Uh uh and, and worse, you know, worse things, just that it was all. You know, that for us to have a kid together under these conditions benefited me, but not her. I mean, they're just filling her head with, with like, all this. It's kind of anti-John propaganda. Well, and just this generalized notion that you cannot bring a child into the world unless the two parents are absolutely tied to one another with leather straps Mm -hmm. Mm. and and have promised each other every single, you know, like, if you if you bring a child into the world having done nothing more than kneel on a pillow and say I will love you forever in mm-hmm. front of somebody with a robe on, then everybody's like, great! It's I believe it. Nothing can nothing can uh, rend these two asunder. Mm-hmm. But if you bring a child into the world where you're like, we're going to do a really good job at this, everybody puts their hands on their head and says, or hands on their hips and says, mm-hmm. well, you never kneeled on a pillow. Yeah. How is it even possible? Right. 
So she and I would were. You, you, can't, you these... can't go from a bobcat to a weebelow. You got to pass. You got to pass to being a wolf and a bear. Precismo. Yeah. Uh, so we're sending these emails back and forth. And the thing was that she and I, you know, had known each other a long time, but we didn't really know each other. How do, how do you, how do you ever really oh, know? Do we ever really know anybody, John? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We didn't really know each other. We'd been playing in the town for a long time and it was like, Hey, downtown. Yeah. What's up downtown? You know, pow, two, two, two finger guns. Hmm. But that's not how you, you, uh, raise a child either. You can't just finger gun a child into adult. <laughs> As much as I would have liked to have tried. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so all these, she's re- rereading all these emails, which I have not reread, where she and I were negotiating and hammering out just the basic principles of how we were going to do this. You know, like, like. Like how do, how can I ca- how do I know I can count on you how, can, how do I know I can count on you type well of- and, and I mean to, just to highlight it's if you don't have the I don't know this, this is not always a real thing but there's always the implicit things of having already been married like you know who pays the rent and all that kind of stuff and right. basic division of labor whether you formally or informally talked about it but you you had to make this to cut this from whole cloth yeah we did and we had to you know and there uh, and w- one thing that Ariel has said was like. We we spent so much time arguing about all the wrong things, <laughs> like hmm. or not the wrong things, but just things that it turns out didn't matter at all. Like she, I remember she came to me and she was like, "I read a thing that says you need a million dollars to raise a child." Oh my god! And I said, yeah, "Not all at once. You don't hmm. need it all at once. You don't need it to start." And yeah. She was like, "But where are we ever going to get a million dollars to raise this child?" I was like, "Honestly, I think that's the." I think we got to start somewhere before that. Like you know, Henry to... Ford discovered this, uh, you know, over a century ago. If yeah. you expect somebody to buy a car with one payment, you know, that's not going to work. You need to nope. you need to go have your GMAC, the Ford version of that, and that's that's much like having a child. They let you yeah, make installments I, on the child. That's right. I said to her, well, you know, look, we can get a good interest rate mm-hmm. on this baby. Like we'll figure that out, right? Put, put a new roof we, on we, the child. Mm-hmm. We we had we had to decide because we were not. Married, we had to decide what last name the child was going to get. We had to decide a lot of things. And we had nine months, or let's say eight months, in which to go from a relationship where we were, co- you know, essentially just coquettish with each other for a long time to a thing <laughs> where, like, we trusted each other, could rely on each other, and and actually had, like, a plan and we had to build that within a world where everybody we knew, I mean, the best response we got from our friends was, well, mm, you sure you want to do I, that? <laughs> I guess. I mean, wait and see, I guess. I mean, that was the best and and really, really well-meaning people, a lot of whom are now divorced, were telling us that there's no way that it could, that it's going to work like this and that we needed to get real, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I, she she reminded me at one point, I was like, I sent her an email or she was saying like, you know, look, I'm, I'm pregnant and I need, you know, I need like to feel comforted and you are being very, um, formal with me. And I, and, you know, and I appreciate the formality is necessary, but I like need this comforting. And I wrote this thing about like, well, listen, 
I don't like anybody. I don't. I don't like anybody touching my feet. Do you understand? <laughs> it's very important that <laughs> if we're going to make this work, <laughs> it's very important if we're going to make this work. Uh-huh. We're going to make this child that nobody touch my feet in the night. Yeah, and that you know, and it's I get very warm, and I really tear up a bed, and it's just, it's very you know, I just need it. I need to make it clear that like yeah. I don't really like to be touched. And she was recounting this to me. I didn't go back and read it. But I remember for a long time this idea that I had discovered that I could say I don't want you to touch me when I'm sleeping. I remember that being like a huge revelation to me because I had always, you know, been miserable sharing a bed with people. And I and I and I had discovered this like, oh, wait, after I go to sleep, like, I don't want to be spooned. I don't want to be nuzzled. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to be alone. Leave me alone. It's, I want to go sleep, sleep. sleeping time. It's sleeping time. I want to go sleep in my on my side of the bed. And, mm-hmm. and it was just it was always a relationship problem. Well, so she's telling me this story or she's telling me about this email. And I'm laughing and laughing and laughing because then I had a child And uh, when you have a child, at least in my case, there is one person in the world, at least, that you do not mind if they touch you. Mm. Right? Like my little girl. Enjoy it while you can. (laughs) Right? And I'm sure there will be a time when she's like. Every every single time. Every every, every single time she's (laughs) bugging me. It's 832. It's already 32 minutes past bedtime. And she comes out and just wants to, like, hug me and kind of just, you know hang out for a minute and i'm, I'm thinking like, yeah. mar, 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 i want to watch my game of thrones and it's 32 <laughs> minutes past bedtime and i try to always catch myself and go you dingaling yeah <laughs> right you know what it's okay that it's 32 minutes past bedtime you get to pause game of thrones and and your daughter wants to like you for a minute do you have any idea how much you're going to want that in five years <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Well, so, so she, she, so, so, despite all of those negotiations and your uh, co coquette working all this out, uh, you, there is a person in your life now who uh, t- touches your feet, etc. Oh well, I mean, in a larger that, sense, in a larger sense of the phrase. Yeah, and 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 I think has changed a lot has changed about me in the last five years, and and I can. I absolutely remember when some of these these notions about myself, right, the introversion and the and the uh, the the sense that I needed this bubble around me, and that it was okay to ask for it, and that it was not just okay to ask for it, but like I was okay even even needing it, right? Like it was okay to need it. And setting those, uh, setting up those boundaries around myself so that I wasn't always feeling both intruded upon and also that I was a bad person mm-hmm. for feeling intruded upon. Like that was the terrible part of, that was the, the source of, the, of so much loneliness in my life uh, mm-hmm. over the years was, was not just that I felt infringed upon by everybody, but also that I, that I felt like that, that was, what made me despicable um, because why couldn't I just accept love or why couldn't I just accept touch? These are simple things. Simple or, or things. Or why people... couldn't, couldn't you just learn to feel good about the broken way you are? 
It's just, it's really it's hard. I, I think you're describing something that's very important to me, which is this feeling a bad feeling about a bad feeling, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to feel that bad feeling, another thing to have a bad feeling about how you are. Like it's a terrible, but right? I mean, isn't it kind of a terrible tug of war? Like either why can't I be a good person or why can't I be okay with how I actually am? Well, it took me a long time even to get to the place where I felt like, oh, learning to be okay with this is a thing I can even do, mm-hmm. right? Because because. Because I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be in the land of broken toys. I believed, because I do believe in love, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I am romantic, or I am a romantic. And so, so what, you know, but but more more than that even, you know, this is happening. This isn't a thing where my, um, where this is a thing I was navigating with the larger world, right? I wasn't out in the world saying... Uh, why doesn't the world accept me? This was always happening within the absolute smallest confines of a relationship between me and a lover who was saying, you know, here I am, here's what I have to give. And I was like, great, don't touch my feet. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's such an incredibly small personal space to... Because out in the world, I didn't have any adjustment, you know, visible adjustment issues. I wasn't asking anybody to make a, a, any accommodation for me. But in this, you know, as the as the room got smaller and smaller, I was more and more like, this is my pillow, and this is my underwear drawer, and this is my, these are the hairs on the back of my hand, and they can't be stimulated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and so I couldn't ever be like, and I'm okay with me because because the person that I was saying all this to was the one that was standing there like, all I want is to hug you. Right. And I was like, I'm okay with me. But I but but I did get to I did get to that place sort of right around this same period. Like I you know, I am sorry. About, I'm sorry that you are pregnant and that you are scared because you're not married and we are trying to navigate, we're trying to write, we're trying to write a new constitution for a thing that doesn't have very many antecedents. We can't think of any mentors or peers we might have here. We're reinventing the wheel and your thing that you're saying you need is that I demonstrate my, my here-ness by actually being like here holding you and i'm saying don't touch my feet Mm -hmm. because that's very important to me and i had to also in that moment be like but it's really important that i hold this woman who is pregnant and terrified right and now i look back she and i both look back and laugh because you know the, the the experience of building this family um it's not just that I. It's not just that I can hold my daughter. Like I, she, my daughter brought the ability for me to feel uncomplicated about being touched. I guess. Like she, she, she's been a part of that process for me. Now that I, now I can. I mean, I still don't want people coming in and touching my feet while I'm sleeping. Well, you you, you have your preferences. Yeah, I mean, you know, just don't just like come put your mouth on my toes doesn't or every, something. Mean, oh dear me, no. Oh, go to your Pekingese. No, stop it. Stop no, it. not everybody Get can off. do that. It's not just right. because it's tolerated with one person does not mean that everybody gets to do it. Right. 
but it, but it's funny that I that I made such a because at the time not have not having had a kid yet, you think certain things are so important. I'm going to a baby shower later today, hmm. and they're they're wonderful people. They're very good friends. They've been um, they're excited about their baby. The baby is is coming soon. And they had a thing on their baby shower thing that said, um, you know, we, we don't want you to, uh, don't worry about gifts, but but if you if you insist, here's a link to a list of gifts. And I went and just reading down this list of gifts that had obviously been compiled by a large group of people who are like, you're going to need this. Mm-hmm. You're definitely going to need a linen... It's it's a good chance uh, to cover some bases. You get you can you can ask for and if 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 it's people who are already parents, they'll get this. A lot of the stuff you're going to need a lot of. Even you know what? Right. Wouldn't be bad to get diapers, but definitely some onesies and stuff. Then there's some stuff that like you just know you're going to need, like maybe a nice changing like a changing table. And then you got the stuff where you shoot for the stars, right? Where you, where uh-huh. you might say, "Oh, I want this $700 uh, baby carriage." Cuz if somebody wants to get that, sure I'll take it. Right, but this is a group. So, so the, the, this this these two are members of a a, a pretty close knit group of friends. Let's let's call it between fifteen and twenty people that have all coupled up recently. They're all in their early forties, mm-hmm. and this is this couple is really the first one, the first couple to have a, a new baby. Right, I mean. You know, Ari and I, our daughter is six and a half now. And when that happened, all of these, all of these people were in brand new relationships or get, or going through their first divorce or whatever. But now they have a solid little gang. And this couple is the first one to have a baby. And so their, their baby list that they linked to has all that stuff, right? The, you know, you're going to need diapers. You should get some onesies. And look, there's the $700 carriage. Like all that stuff makes sense. Mm-hmm. But because none of their friends have babies yet, but all of them are, I mean, I'm watching this group and ready to have like 15 babies arrive in the next year and a half because that's where they're all at. Yeah. There's all that stuff on this list, like, like baby wipe warmer caddy, baby wipe warmer caddy, (laughs) right? baby carriage, baby wipe warmer caddy sidecar mm-hmm. like this crazy stuff where you're like whoa 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 let me just give you let me just break it down for you you don't need that honestly you don't need it you don't you want to take that off because somebody's going to buy that for you and then you're going to have it and you're going to feel like you need to use it mm-hmm. and you're going to walk around like basically like chewbacca carrying 3po on his back and push, pushing a stroller <laughs> Because, with a wipe warmer on it. <laughs> with a wipe warmer on it. Because look, you got enough problems just getting a baby from place to place. If you if you end up being one of those couples that's like that's like a camp train that's leaving Stalingrad. I remember that because, feeling. That feeling. Oh my god. Because somebody told you that you need a you know, you need a, a like a linen baby stroller cover to keep the sunlight out of baby's eyes mm-hmm. but you don't want to get that don't get that cotton stuff no 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 it's got to be linen because it needs to filter the sunlight so that baby can hear the mozart better can you believe the way we were raised we didn't even have, <laughs> you and me the way we, can you believe that we never got but we didn't get linen we didn't uh, get it was from like, linen it was like here hold my cigarette kid <laughs> the first thing you need to learn kid 
<laughs> how to, how, mix, how to a, mix a Bloody Mary. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so... It's funny. I want to go back and read those things, but it happens. It happens all the time, and I and I and I feel like I feel like part of the victory that we have achieved, maybe our generation, and it, and it feels like a strange victory, but we kind of led the charge. Was this victory of of the um, of carving out? the space to be who you are that is that's not just free to be you and me but mm. you know like the, the small spaces mm-hmm. of being who you are and but like Ari and I still our daughter is six and a half and we still are a team and we still don't have any peers like oh I see I see we still don't know any couple who has done it the way we've done it we don't have anyone to mentor because no one is we don't know anybody who's trying to do it the way we did it. Everybody we know that has a kid is either in a happy marriage, in a in an unhappy marriage that's pretending to be happy, in an unhappy marriage that is done pretending, mm-hmm. or in a marriage in dissolution that is either trying to be civil, not trying to be civil, or long past. Oh, that. But no one is just like, yeah, we decided to have a child together and we're people of goodwill and smart. And we agreed that we were going to have a lot of fights about stuff in the course of time, as you do. But that it was never going to be we were never going to um, lose sight of the fact that we were doing this intentionally and. And in the spirit of like, you kind of always knew that it was, well, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe one way to look at it is like, it'll be safe if we always regard this as a precarious experiment rather than a done deal. Hmm. Right. And that was, that was, I think what I, but you know what I mean? Like not treating it like a, like a done and settled sorted issue. Like this is, this is a work in progress. Well, and that was the, that was the advantage it had, right? Because all these things that you're saying about like, which I think are absolutely true. Like you get married and so you all you've already worked out like how the rent gets paid and all that stuff but but in getting married you also take all of your um unspoken expectations and and uh all of the the templates that you've been carrying around like a maester's chain uh <laughs> jangling around your neck about mm-hmm. like oh well when i get married my spouse is going to be like this and our marriage is going to be like this and we're going to live like this and his or my goals are going to be the same exactly. And all this stuff that you'd never really address formally mm-hmm. that goes into like, now we're married. In the case of Ariella and myself, we didn't have we didn't have that luxury. So we had to be very specific about all that stuff. Right, right, right. And so we didn't then later, five years later, encounter these moments where it was like wait a minute i thought you were paying the rent (laughs) yeah or like you always knew i wanted to live in berlin right and it's like what are you talking about you said something about berlin once five years ago well that was me saying that one day i was gonna move there you know like we didn't have to we don't have that problem now because we have been forced to be extremely on top of all that stuff and 
you know, our relationship is stronger now than ever. And I don't see anything. I, I don't see it being in jeopardy, right? I mean, this last year and a half, I was in this long relationship and, and it jeopardized my relationship with Ari. But in the end, um, in the end, like it was the relationship with Ari and, and our daughter. That was the, that was the thing that was most important to me. Mm-hmm. No, that wasn't a thing I was ever going to sacrifice. And, and, you know, we grew up, I'm sure you knew lots of people like this. I know I did. Parents who got divorced and one of them took the kid somewhere else mm-hmm. or dad saw you on weekends or on alternate weekends or on alternate months or something. And like, I think I've probably talked to you about this before, but like when my mom left my dad, we were living in Alaska and she basically like threw some stuff in a suitcase and moved to Seattle, moved back to Seattle. And, you know, my dad was from Seattle. He'd lived his entire life in Seattle He'd been living in Anchorage for two years. And yet when my mom left him and moved back to Seattle, my dad stayed in Anchorage. Like, I like it here. Good things are happening up here. And I never questioned it as a kid because you don't know enough to know what, you know, your parents, what they do just seems like reasonable. But after I had a kid, I was like, wait a minute. He didn't have anything going on in Anchorage. Why didn't he just move back to Seattle too? Mm-hmm. And it was it was the one thing I wish I could talk to him about now and just say, what was the logic there? Like you living in Alaska and mom living in Seattle made our lives growing up really complicated. And if you had just said, well, you know, I'm moving back to Seattle because... I'm getting a divorce and she wants to live down there. And I guess I'm just going to bite the bullet or whatever on behalf of my kids. I just can't, I, I, you know, I, it's a conversation I would love to have with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So, so you, you, you like doing the show at nine? <laughs> <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the line is brought to you by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting Casper.com slash supertrain. Friends, Casper is a sleep brand that has created an outrageously comfortable mattress that they sell directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house. It has a sleek design and is delivered in a small, uh, how did they even do that sized box? That is a size of box. I've seen it. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. The mattress industry has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups, and Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Friends, this is a high-quality mattress because an in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, it's breathable design. Sleep's cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. You want to regulate that temperature. Casper will help you with that. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. 
And Casper understands that how important it is for you to truly try sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering that's where you're going to spend about a third of your life. My household has two Casper mattresses, and we love them to pieces. It is actually kind of weird that even these years into my Casper ownership, I still think about the day that it arrives. I think about and marvel at how easy it was to receive and set up our mattress. I miss my Casper when I don't have it. It's just the best. So try it out. 100 nights. Decide if it's the mattress that's right for you. Right now, you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash supertrain and using the very special offer code supertrain. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Did we, did we get off track there? No, no. <laughs> no, we put the track on the skis this time, buddy. <laughs> Finish my orange soda. Um, sometimes, sometimes, uh, when that happens and the, there is a split and one person takes the child, this is not a reflection on any given couple or parent. Sometimes it's a, an offensive maneuver to say, I'm going to take little Rover and we are going to move to Maine. Mm-hmm. And the other person might say, well, why would you want to move to Maine? <laughs> the other person says, don't you know I've always wanted to move? No. But, the, uh, but then the, that does put the, uh, the other partner in a strange position. Because what they do or don't do will still have ramifications. And uh, everybody's life changes. Like, does the offensive parent want them to come there are they trying to get away from that person even when they know that's at the expense of that other person being able to see the child i think that that's complicated business yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are complicated it's true <laughs> wait did school start for you no and it's a it's a constant source of confusion to me how school anywhere can start before September fifth. Yes, I, school, I, I totally school should, agree. School shouldn't start before September fifth, and it should be out by June fourteenth at the latest. It just it's one of those uh, things that just messes with your head, you know. Like when they changed daylight saving time, you know that screwed up a lot of stuff in my brain and in the world. Um, but when they started having school start before Labor Day, that is even, really weird. I don't get it. What is the point of it? Yeah. I mean, I see that. There, so uh, from the standpoint of government, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this is true of you in California, too, to some degree. But my understanding is that the schools are funded um, through this complicated formula where they count the number of attendances and they have to, and then they, they apply for money based on how many kids attended how many days. And if they have absences mm-hmm. or if they have snow days or, other unforeseen, you know, uh, 
ab- in days when the kids aren't there, then they lose money. Mm-hmm. And they need that money. They need that money for basic services, and they're in a they're kind of stuck in this thing where it's like, well, it costs money to keep the doors open, but we need we don't have the money to do that, so we have to keep the we have to keep the doors open. We have to keep having more school days in order to have the funding to having to have school, so that you know at least in Seattle, our school has this what I think is a kind of a crazy attendance policy. Um, where a parent who's going to Washington, D.C. for a week and wants to take their kid to Washington, D.C. That's sounding very familiar. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's actually coming up. It's actually coming up. We're going to Washington, D.C. this month. Well, if you went to school here, you could expect a nasty letter and a threat of arrest. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Threat of prosecution, basically. So They lose something like, like, I heard, I don't know if this is right, I feel like I heard something like $100 a day. But all I know is that the corollary of what you described is true. I don't know exactly how the funding gets there, but I do know that there are three things we learn about and are reminded of pretty much every day, right? Which is that... By the school? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, you know, school starts promptly at 7.50. Do not be late. There's no reason to be late. Uh, if you're going to drive to school, please use stop, drop, and go because otherwise it's chaos and our neighbors hate us and children might die because you're driving around in the streets. And the other one is you must go to school. This is nothing that we are going to debate. And here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that every day you're absent, this school loses money. And yeah. if your kid is out for a week of Washington, that's actually very costly for the school. And then we have to threaten you because there is some kind of an accounting at some point about exactly what you described and like were the absence and attendance numbers, what they were, I guess, estimated to be. And I don't know why we decided that's how we needed to fund the schools. I mean, I don't, we decided it at some point, obviously the, the, the schools are the classic thing of where there are a lot of, lot, a lot of people that don't have kids. And in the American, in the current American mindset, if you don't have a kid, then why the hell should you pay for the schools? Right. That's the Florida approach. Yeah. Yeah. And it's become the American approach. I paid, for, I paid approach. for schools back in Pennsylvania. Why would I do it again? Yeah. I, I paid for schools when my mom paid for schools for me, but I don't have a kid or I don't, you know, or whatever. Like the, the idea that we don't think collectively about ourselves anymore and that we don't look at taxes as a way of, of affecting collective improvement. Right. But that everyone is out for themselves at all times, suspicious of all government. It feels like the kind of thing where you would, I mean, I I would not want to point at a particular party, but it feels like one of those things where you go, yeah, of course we've got to fund the schools, but we also have to find some way to make it drudgery. Where, you know, in the same way, like, you know, my feelings on things like reading logs, that just just drive me crazy. The whole, like, oh, prove you read, you know? Okay. You know, it's like, why don't you take something my kid loves and turn it into something she can feel guilty about not doing, even though she's doing it, but she didn't do the log right. Same here. I mean, like, there's all these things where you're like, it's one of those, like, all right, you... You just use one of your monkey paw wishes, and you want money, but guess how this is going to work? <laughs> you should have been more specific with your genie. <laughs> I'm glad that your school district voice is Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> well, technically, that would be this voice. That would be the attorney. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you feel so terrible for the schools. You want them to have resources and do the job that they do well, but the way that the way that it works out where it's like, well, school goes to July 5th now and it starts again, August 15th 
because we had a couple of snow days. Yeah. And you're like, what are we doing to ourselves? Like we're, we are, we're doing, we're doing a bad job in, in pursuit of doing a good job. Our, my daughter's school is in a neighborhood that is very close to the university. And it's the classic example of a Seattle school where the additional services that are not provided for by the school district, by which I mean music lessons, art lessons, interesting PE, interesting after-school activities, supplies, all those things are paid for by a PTA. And the PTA is able to pay for those things because this neighborhood is situated very close to Microsoft and Amazon and et cetera, et cetera. And so the PTA has an auction and the PTA sponsors a dance and the PTA sends you 700 emails a year. And by, you know, the, the, the auction's coming up. So you, yeah, you, you I, need know to, I don't know if you I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> I know. I know. You need to get two tickets to the under the sea ball. They're only $250 each. <laughs> It's going to be so much fun. The undersea ball is going to be so much fun. Uh, But as a result of that, her school can hire an art teacher who is a bona fide artist and a wonderful woman who really inspires the kids and gives them incredibly enriching artistic um, activities and... Like, she is a jewel, and she is paid for entirely by this extra, you know, district organization, basically rich parents. And so my daughter's school has a high rating on Yelp. It's got a five out of five stars. And there are other schools in the school district that don't have any arts education. Because their PTA has no ability to lay hands on that kind of resource, on those resources. And that is the inequity that's like baked into the Seattle School District, which is crazy to think that a city as liberal and progressive and rich as Seattle should have that be the system. And it and it's a it's a system that like recapitulates itself every day because when 40-year-olds decide that they're going to move out of downtown. They read Yelp. Well, and they have to decide where they're going to buy their house based on how many stars their school has. And if if your neighborhood has three-star school, let alone a 1.4-star school, Uh you you have no idea what that means. You haven't been to the school. You haven't talked to the teachers. You haven't toured the campus. You're looking at it online. And it's like, well... I can't move into that neighborhood. So it just perpetuates this idea that like, well, you got to move up north into one of these bedroom communities where the schools are good and all these neighborhoods that are awesome neighborhoods down here, but their school districts don't have good stars. Uh, you know, we can't even begin to look at, a, at an affordable house down there because there's a reason it's affordable. There's a reason it's affordable, and it's because when, you're, when your kid gets to school, they're given a mop bucket 
and a piece of dry black bread. Mm-hmm. You know, and they are sent to learn by cleaning out the toilets at the prison. Mm. It's like, I don't really, I think that all the schools here are probably, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So, so part, of, part of it is, should you trust the stars? You never trust the stars. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go eat for yourself. Try something different every time. But I don't know. How is it down there? How is it in San Francisco? Is it a similar situation? Yeah. Uh, it's gotten way, way better. It was a um, what a, a liberal dystopia at one point where it, <laughs> the system that was in place not long before my kid went to school really felt like it was invented by young liberals who don't have kids. Um, people like basically like college sophomores because it was... Um, what it came down to was uh, a, uh, not even a lottery. It was just, it was kind of, it could be fairly random where your kid went to school. Like you could in this town, so many people move to, so they don't need to, own, so they won't need to own a car, for example. Uh, you, your kid might be on the diagonal, you know, the opposite diagonal of town from where you live. Based um, on? I think based on like something fairly random that, I mean, I think takes into account things like um, diversity. But yeah. it, it was a it was basically a crapshoot. I mean, I had a friend who lived in uh, DeBose Triangle, whose kid went to elementary school in North Beach. Now, hmm. th- and didn't own a car, so th- hmm. he took his kid that that ride. I guess what maybe a five Fillmore. I'm not sure. Take your kid that ride uh, on the bus, uh, and then you come back and then you go to work. How y- long San of a Francisco. trip is that? Oh, it depends. But like, I I would allow for round trip. I'd allow an hour and a half. Yeah, that's crazy, right? I mean, yay, San Francisco. Well, now, How- it's, now it is, it is way better. And so the way it works now is, of course, there's paperwork, and you have to like talk to people about this and be a fretful hen for several years before your kid report even matters. But when you're ready, you so you say like what what school you want your kid to go to. And you get, I think, up to three choices, something like this. Don't quote me. But the, long story short, the way it works now is mostly if you're asking for a normal school that's near your house, there's a pretty good chance you'll get it. If huh. that child already had an older sibling in that school, you're pretty much, I think, guaranteed, especially if they're still there. You're pretty much guaranteed to be grandfathered in in terms of eligibility. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, there are distinctions. Uh, one distinction is that it's my understanding that every every class of school, elementary, middle, and high school, but I, I know this is, a, is true in my daughter's school, there are different schools that attend to the needs of various types of kids. And mm-hmm. that gets broken out by kind of specialty that that school will deal with. So it could be kids who are developmentally disabled. It could be kids with emotional issues. Uh, it could be kids with physical disabilities. It's a way of saying, hey, you can go to whatever school you want, but if you want the one where we've really put the resources to help you out, this is the one to go to. Which I think, you know, makes some sense. If there's limited funds, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And then, like, if you want to go to, like, a really good high school, then I think it is very competitive. Like, a public high school. If you want to go to, um, what's the one here in town? What's the big high school in San Francisco? Lowell. Lowell. If you want to go to Lowell, which is the best high school in San Francisco, and everyone says so, then it's a little more, you know, a little more tricky. Like, just just because you live by the mall doesn't mean you're going to get into Lowell. Did you go to the best high school in your town? Arguably, yes. I think so. 
And what made it the best high school in your town? One thing was, I think it got a lot of resources. So it was the school that had... So the old high school became the junior high. My high school was built, I think, in the 60s. Um, Then way north of town, out in the middle of nowhere, they built a high school a little later. And then the junior high that I went to, uh, starting in the 80s, turned into a high school. So there were three high schools at the time I went to high school. And I think ours... It was the... It was the the it was a comprehensive high school, so it had vocational stuff. Uh, it had like the full battery of available things, and it was it was huge. There was over two thousand kids at my high school. Six hundred and sixty six kids, mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. entered yeah. uh, my freshman year, and I think there were something like five hundred graduates. And if you think back at your at your time there, can you, with the wisdom of time, um see where those resources were allocated in a way that benefited you? No. I mean, did they, did the resources that that school have, did it hire a higher caliber of teacher, one of whom had a profound effect on your life? Oh, um, I mean, I really like some of my teachers a lot. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, my, first of all, this is whatever, over 30 years ago. So my memory's spotty. Yeah. But, um, but no, golf, I went to golf, and golf had, you know, certain things. Hudson had certain things. Everybody had football. Everybody had band. Uh, I don't think there was any one of them that was distinctly the less good school. Hudson had a better football team than we did. But I'm trying to think of this. And, and so let's go look up comprehensive high school. So, like, you know, the band stuff I did, it seemed, like, okay, well-funded. Of course, we had to do... You know, sell Snickers bars and stuff. Comprehensive high schools are the most popular form of public high schools compared to the common practice. High schools specialize in university prep school academic preparation. We did have AP. We had advanced placement. Did you Um, take AP? No. No, I was not up to that. Yeah. Um, I hung out with a lot of the kids, especially the Venn diagram of AP kids that were in band. That was a lot of my friends. Uh Um, Sexy, sexy crowd. Um. I'm trying to think to answer your question, though. I mean, certainly my life has been hugely shaped by teachers and professors at various points. But I'm, I, I mean, I don't think they had like a, what, a Cornell West. I don't think they had like a, a Carl Sagan. I don't think they had a like, you know, I don't think there was anybody there who was like world famous or anything. Well, and that's what I mean. I just, just, and I, and I, this is my, my reply when people in Seattle talk about. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail that. Oh, not at all. No, I, that was a you were you were answering the question, I think pretty well. Which is that is there anywhere you can point to in your schooling where the advantages that you took from school were the were the result of decisions that were being made at the school district level rather than just luck of the draw right. in what teacher you got, who you met, where you happened to be standing on any given day. You know what? I'm going to answer that in, in an even deeper way than you asked, which is to say one truism, something I feel like has been true no matter where I went, what, any school that I was involved with, whether that was in Ohio or in Florida or in California, there's one thing that's true. Which is like, I'll bet you dimes to donuts, no matter what edifice you're in, no matter what, then further to that, what grade they're attending, I bet you they're still going to be, like, let's say there's, I don't know, arguably, let's say for this particular grade level, there's six teachers up through middle school, let's say, right? You know, if you put those, however you wanted to do it, rank them on a, some kind of a curve, 
I bet there's going to be one that's clearly better than the others and one or two who are clearly worse than the others. Yeah. What am I saying? I'm saying no matter where you live, no matter how much you paid for your house, no matter what school you go to, there's still a chance that at the very nicest school you go to, you're going to have, you're going to get matched to a teacher that for whatever reason was not a good match to your kid. And I'm also going to tell you, you go to the quote unquote lowest star school in town. There's somebody in that building that could change your kid's life and they just might get that person. It's, you see it, you you can see this at McDonald's. You can see this at the DMV. You see this anywhere you go where you, as I've said before, you meet an angel, you meet somebody who's just amazing. My first grade teacher was like that. We were in an outbuilding. We were in like a mobile home because our school was growing and she's the best teacher I ever had in my life. She, I mean, when my father was very, very ill, she was like having me over to their house. She had a birthday party for me when I was seven. I mean, yeah. at her house. She had us yeah. over for dinner at her house and gave me a hamburger candle. I'll never forget. <laughs> for a present. There's no need for that. Shirley Jackson, there's no need for you to do that. You never needed yeah. to do that. Like yeah. That's amazing. But anyway, um, so that's the problem. Well, like, okay, you did. You did everything right. Like, you crossed all the right palms. You filled out all the right forms. And now you're going to the five-star school. Like, there is still a chance that that is not a good match for your kid. And there's probably not even a way for you to know that. Not even a chance. I mean, there's every likelihood that they're going to get a teacher that rubs them the wrong way, or that whatever they're not, they don't thrive in that environment. Maybe I great mean, teachers. What, maybe great teachers having a bad year. It happens to everybody. I had Mrs. Langford for second grade. I loved Mrs. Langford. Mrs. Langford is where I got cinnamon toast, the guinea pig. Hmm. My sister had Mrs. Langford three years later. They battled the entire year. They. My sister hated Mrs. Langford. Wow. How do you account for that? My mom, who had known Mrs. Langford she when was probably I had begging, her, begging, please, Susan, take take Mrs. Langford, please take Susan, take her. Well, and the thing is, because I got along great with Mrs. Langford, my mom and she didn't have that much interaction. Mrs. Langford was just another teacher at the school, as far as she was concerned. Because I, yesterday, so this is real quick, but like um, one of my daughter's best friends, her mom uh, has a big job at the PTA, and her grandmother also works heavily this year with the PTA. And they were setting up for first day of school. They do this thing called Kiss and Cry, where like after you said goodbye to your kindergartner, you can come and have a cup of coffee. And they were running that at you know seven thirty in the morning. But anyway, my friends. Ellie's uh, friend's grandmother said, you know, I, I think my kids used to just get on a bus and go to school. Like, I pick my daughter up every day. I talk to people every day. I go through Lost and Found every day. Like, it's just part of my... And she's like, she's like, something says something like, like, I would go to my kid's school like twice a year. I wouldn't yeah. even step in the doors of my kid's school. I got them onto the bus and then they came home off the bus later. <laughs> Yeah. Totally, totally different world. You didn't used to sit there and check your email every day to find out like how things are going or get photos from the field trip. Like that just didn't happen. You got a yearbook and you got four report cards. Thank, thank you for your service. <laughs> well, you know, my mom, uh, my mom had another layer of insulation because she had to be at work at the crack of dawn, right? So she took me to the babysitter in the morning. The babysitter sent us to the bus. The bus took us to the school. The at end of school, we took the bus back to the neighborhood walked slowly to the babysitters where we were until 6.30 at night when mom came to get us. So it was, you know, my mom said one time, these freaking bake sales, (laughs) like, I will just give them $50 if I don't have to. I don't want to go to a bake sale and buy a $10 cake five times a year. I'll just give you $50. Nobody has to bake a cake. Yeah, that's not how it works. (laughs) But it's not how it works. (laughs) It's very important that you be nominally involved. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, for you, 
for the two of us, yeah. right? People, people, uh, people. Uh, I think admire you, admire me because we have managed to make a a life for ourselves by accident, largely, but also by virtue of you know uh, sort of myriad talents and luck and good fortune, but also. Trying things, testing things out. It's so nice of us to pay ourselves these compliments. I'm really, I'm well, actually very happy to hear this. I'm paying you these compliments. <laughs> I don't hear you paying me any compliments, but that's typical. Yeah. Well, you have dignity issues. But, but we didn't succeed in any sense that could have been predicted in 1975 mm-hmm. or in 1985. <laughs> oh, or in God. 19- or in 1995, right? There's right. nothing that you and I are doing right now that we can directly tie to having gone to a good elementary school. I, you know what, little John? I could really see you in, if, I don't know what year, sometime in the 2000s. I could really see you being paid by an internet mattress company to talk about your relationship with me. I can really see that. Yeah, right. I, 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 I imagine... <laughs> whatever, you know, if, whatever medium that is, I, 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 could, I could see that. If the PTA gets, you know, a little bit more funding so that you can, uh, so that an astronomer can come into you and talk to you about space, that's one day going to lead to a, to a oh, situation yeah, right, right. where once every 10 years you put out, a, you put out an album, maybe. Mm-hmm. We, you know, put the, we put the nicer water fountains in your school. Yeah. 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 But I, but I, so I, so I. I know that isn't again it's sort of like the like the child rearing thing. It's not a thing you can plan for, but it's also it's also a thing that you can relax about too. It's it's so difficult to know cuz I I get asked to talk to kids, you know, high school kids a lot. And I always want to say things to them that are probably going to have the teacher say like, okay, everybody get on the bus, like sessions over. Because what I want to say is like, don't go to college right away. Don't, you know, don't care so much about your future. It isn't how you make yourself. It isn't how you make your future to care so much about it. Like it will happen. You don't, you have no say in it. Your future's coming. Mm. And, and, um, whether or not you get into the good high school in San Francisco, like the 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 pain and suffering that you put yourself through, that you put your family through, the the agonizing, the hour and a half long commute, the the self-flagellating, the missed opportunities, the trips to Washington D.C. that you don't take in order to in order to do these things that seem to be assuring that you're going to be on a path where, you know. You may, not be doing, is, you're, you may not be doing all the right things, but you're trying to avoid doing the wrong things. And what you're doing is not doing some of the things that you need, not, not, not going to Washington, D.C., which is a thing that you need to do. It's a, you know? Yeah. Um, but how do you, how do you communicate that to people? You're saying, how do you tell, how to, how do you tell the school you don't want your feet touched? Yeah. How do you tell yourself that you can send your kid confidently to a two and a half star school and know that they're going to get a good education. They're going to be fine. That having them at the school is good for the school. That having, 
having your kid go to the school that's in their own neighborhood is good for that your mental yeah, health of everyone. Of everybody involved. Well, I'm going to say something that could get me in just a whole lot of trouble, which is that I think a lot of people who, who have a good heart, but who would primarily like you to see them as supporting their child's future are really just ridiculously competitive. And that's one way it gets worked out. Luckily, maybe that's probably a good direction. It's it's not like there's a competition for having the most terrible kid. But in that case, like maybe that's a good thing. That'll benefit everybody. But I think a lot of people do that just because they're competitive. I think some people go to the DMV at six because they want to be the first in line. They want to win the DMV. I think, you know, some people buy lottery tickets because they, they want to be the one. They could use the money, but they'd really love to be the person who won. Well, I think, that's, I think it's more common than most people want to admit. Who puts... Who puts Yelp reviews of their school. I mean, who, I mean, I don't, I don't know who does Yelp reviews of, I mean, two, of Vietnamese two kinds restaurants of people, either. Two kinds of people as for a school in particular, this is less true. I think for most businesses on Yelp, but wherever you are, well, for, first it's confirmation bias. Like, I guess a form of that where you're going to go and give your star, your own school five stars. Right. I mean, it's like a self link. You would go and do that. The other kind is like, you're mad that Mrs. Mrs. Crabapple uh, sent you a letter about, you know, uh, going out of town for a week. And so you give them one star and say that they don't communicate well with, uh, I, I didn't do that, but you know what I'm saying? Like that's, <laughs> Poor Mrs. that's, that's yeah. I mean, but Jesus Christ, look at it with something as insignificant as a meal at a restaurant. Not to say it's the food is not important, but think about all the times, you know, if you ever did look at Yelp, if you were just desperate and were somewhere and were like, which one? Is, I mean, I look at, we're driving through, you know, uh, Central California and I'm ch- pick, picking out which Popeyes I want to go to. Because I'm going to make my wife take me to Popeyes because it's a trip and I get a special. And, and so, there are multiple, multiple uh, There Popeyes. are multiples Popeyes. In various oh. places. Which no, wait a minute. Just to just yes. rewind a little bit. When you're on a trip with your wife, you get she gives you a a coupon for one special Merlin meal. Well, you get to have Popeyes. I don't always utilize it because I know it's not good for me. But like, I am discouraged by my family from eating terrible food, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I am no longer like I used to be. It used to be my band. My I had a band in Tallahassee called Three Piece Spicy White Meat. Because we were right across the street from Popeyes, and I ate Popeyes before every band practice. Wow! I mean, Popeyes used to be a big part of my life, and uh, I, I had Popeyes at my baccalaureate defense. Really? Yeah, actually, my mom did. She bought a couple boxes of chicken. Some people were there just for the chicken, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I some, see that. Some, some for the uh, come come for the chicken, stay for the Horkheimer and Adorno. Uh huh. So. Uh, uh, so I do get that, my point being, and so I'll go look on the map, and I zoom in, and I say, Popeye, show me Popeye's on the route, and there'll be different ratings for the Popeye's, five miles apart, and you know why? Well, maybe it's, some are definitely better, as with any fast food place, some are actually legitimately better branches of that, like, and you learn that, you learn, that's the, that's the good 7-Eleven, that's the one good Burger King, whatever. But you know why? Because, you know, enough people came in and said, I didn't like the attitude of that lady at the counter. Or one time, you know, you spoiled my, my, the noodles were soggy at my bridal party, boo, everybody leave a bad review, right? And you get like a, right. you get a blanket party. Yeah, you okay. get a little bit of a, of, of a black mirror situation. A little black mirror situation. So something as stupid as a box of fried bird, right. and that happens. Imagine what that's like with something as, in my estimation, important as the school that your kid goes to for up to six years 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the solution. No, I don't either. But, you know, I'll tell you one thing you could do is, uh, I mean, this is a very old fashioned thing to do, but whenever I'm not sure what to do or think about something, I want to talk to somebody. Sometimes that's where, like, I, I think I have some idea about this new domain of my life and work, how, how that would be, right? Like, maybe I decide I want to get in shape. Well, I could just, like, spend all my time looking for gyms. But, like, I could talk to somebody who's, like, a, like a friend of mine and, like, find out what they do. My daughter is considering a musical instrument. She tells me she's already decided the instrument she wants to play. I What's get that? a little antsy. I, I, I can't reveal it yet. But I'm, gonna be, I'm antsy about it because she's never mentioned hearing this instrument. This is how my brain works. She's right. never mentioned hearing this instrument and going, oh, I like that sound. Right. There Clarinet. are many other instruments that she has mentioned. I think she likes the form factor and the way you look when you play this thing. But she's never played one. Well, it's not so, the clarinet then. Well, so I, I find myself saying, like, it would be so great if there was a way not to learn every instrument, but to have all these instruments on a table and be able to hold it and see it and feel it and hear the noise that it makes, have a de- live demonstration by somebody talented, uh, various people talented. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know that doesn't happen in schools like it used to. We used to get concerts all the time. But in this case, somebody would say, this is what an alto sax sounds like, and you play something typical of an alto sax, right? Et cetera. Right, right. So I would go to the school. I would talk to people who go to the school. And I would, I would ask one of my clever questions. See if you, you could meet the principal, but I think it'd be better to meet parents of somebody who's been there for at least two years. And I would say, what's the best thing about this and what's the second worst thing? But you know, the, the, <clears throat> what, that, um, what that does is it, it just is a, it points out how difficult it is to really feel like you have peers. Because at my daughter's school, there's a teacher that everybody loves. And my experience of this teacher is that she's that she doesn't work for me. And it's because she doesn't seem to really she seems to just be sort of phoning it in. And everybody else is sort of fine with that. There's a lot of this confirmation bias that you're talking about where it's like, we go to the best school in town, so our teachers are the best. Yep. And this teacher who's phoning it in is phoning it in the best. <laughs> yeah. And and I just yeah. feel like a young teacher somewhere who's really trying real hard or a teacher that has some creative ideas, uh, even if they are, even if that teacher is fumbling, is going to be more interesting to my kid at this stage than somebody who is super comfortable. Yeah, like they still got the eye of the tiger. Right. And even if they are, I mean, you know... I, I think personally, like, better for a kid to be taught by somebody who is, like, struggling a little, yeah. you know, like, like working hard to figure their thing out. Um, yeah. But that yeah. is going to produce a Yelp review that's like, well, the teacher doesn't, or it's just, you know, that's the type of teacher that gets assigned to a school that is struggling. All, uh, all I'm saying is, like, you could weasel your way in. I, I, I know this is true at our school and at other schools around here, but there's almost always somebody there who's, who's a volunteer 
a parent usually, but a volunteer who in some form or fashion deals with people who don't go to school here yet. So there's usually a committee of people who help with um, people who are going to check out kindergarten before they arrive here. There's people like that. There are people every at our school, every grade has at least one person who's just the liaison to like new students and their families to help them acclimate that person. There must be a person like that at the, at a school that you could go talk to who would oh, be think, happy to like, then once you talk to them, now you can, you got an inroad to meet other people who tell you the real story. But I think the challenge, uh, the challenge there is that people, a lot of people I know are making decisions about where they're going to move because you get to be 40. You want to have a kid. You can't live in Seattle anymore. Basically, it's too expensive, right? You, you're living in a one-bedroom apartment. Now you have a kid. You can't keep living in a one-bedroom apartment. But you can't move anywhere else in in town to anything better than a one-bedroom apartment. And so you have to move to one of the outlying neighborhoods where the schools are. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to make this decision. We want to get a nice house. We want walkable streets. We want good schools. And I don't know how many people have the... You know, I like I I would not have the ability, I don't think, to go out to all the out, outlying schools and pick one that I liked and then start making decisions about where I was going to move based on that. And so I'm, you know, I hear time and time again, like, well, the, the, we found this great house. It's in this great neighborhood. I really like it there, but the schools are bad, so we can't. And it's like, wow, that's a great neighborhood, a great house that you like. Everything about it. It's close to town. It's affordable. But the schools are bad, you say. <laughs> and so... so the, see, and All the, it takes is enough people repeating those words because they heard it from somebody else, and now those schools are bad. Yeah, they They will bad. become bad. It's like, it's like naming your kid Jeeves. It's, it's yeah. destiny. Yeah, those kids are bad. It's like naming your kid Jeeves. Don't name your kid Jeeves is the oh, lesson that's, there. Oh, that's not... Mm, <laughs> how much do you know about that school? Right? Right, right. Oh, I, I've heard from several people... Oh, that you know, like I did you did you look online at the ratings mm. of that school? It's, no, you don't want to go to Joe's. You want to go to no, original Joe's. <laughs> That's original this original Joe's. This isn't the good Popeyes. No, no, this is the bad cheesesteak pizza. Yeah. Oh, so, oh you're in Chicago. Oh, you got to go to you got to go to uh, Prime Meal, uh, Prime Primeval <laughs> Joe's. It has the best but, deep dish Philly cheesesteaks. But you and I are always saying things essentially mm-hmm. like. Uh, like saying, well, don't, you know. Don't trust your cat in an apron. It's definitely like not out of character for me when a friend is saying like, oh, we'd love to live down there on in this beautiful home on the edge of a park next to this great old neighborhood, but we can't because the schools are bad. So we're moving somewhere where there, it's an hour and 45 minute long commute. Right. And I, and it's in character for me to go, well, that, doesn't sound smart. Why don't you just ignore the fact that the schools are supposedly bad and go send your kid there and do your part to make that school better or just count on the fact that like there's a 99% chance that that your your kid's teacher is going to be great and your kid is going to have a great time there. Yeah. Like what, what, how much, you know, not to be a dick, but how much are you going to put into that? Yeah. Right. Are you really just surfing for the uh, the highest quality nanny in town, or you find finding a place that you can invest in? I think you went to a co op preschool, right? Uh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So we. I mean, your kid. I mean. Oh, my kid did. Yeah. 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 So same here. And that was a lot. It was a a lot of work, 
But it was understood that everybody there had to do that work. I'll tell you what's pretty different in third, fourth grade is there's a couple people that think everything needs to get done and they'll do it. And then a lot of other people who think everything needs to get done. Right. Because they picked the good school and now just go take care of that for me. And I think that's a big part of it, right? You, you, you get the good school and then your work here is done. You have done that. You've, you've, you did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. You're getting to the right school. Drive an hour and a half for work every day. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's exactly right. You know, the the idea that you can make your kids' school good just by going by there every day and standing around at the drop and cry or whatever you were talking about. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, you can show up for duty when it's, you know, stop, drop, and go week. Or you can chaperone a field trip, which I do a lot of. Oh, my God, so do I. It's, it's uh... Yeah. I, I I always feel like kind of the odd man out with it, but like, and it, it makes me very, very tired. Oh, there's one time we went to a kids movie, a children's movie festival at the Kabuki and you know where we live. Yeah. And, uh, it was somebody's idea that not only would we take three classes of kids. Okay. Let, let's get all the parts of this. We're going to take okay. three classes of kids. Like or three all or four, the same age. Yeah. 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 All, this is all second graders. Uh, and we're going to take the bus. We're not going to take the streetcar. We're going to take the bus. That's fun. Did I mention that there's also a transfer. Oh boy! How three, many how many classes of kids again? Yeah, three classes of kids. So you got about right. seventy five kids. Uh, you've got as many parents as who showed up, and this becomes important to the story in a little bit. <laughs> how many kids can you fit on a bus? Uh, you might have to break them up, or you get in real tight. And uh, boy, nobody likes that. But that's a lot of what happens when you do that. But yeah, we did. It took us about an hour and a half each way in the rain. <laughs> Literally in the rain, oh, and the rain. a couple of parents just didn't show up that had volunteered. And you have oh, no yeah. idea what you put on to a 48-year-old man chaperoning children on a public bus with a transfer. We're, we're transferring on freaking um, like Park Presidio. Like, it's it's busy. Like, it's, uh-huh. we're, it's you know. Yeah, so like when, uh, when two people just skate and don't show up, and there's like two to take care of those 26 kids plus the teacher and then maybe the para. Well, you know, that's a long day sure for daddy. Those parents that skipped, I'm sure that they were busy, Merlin. I'm that's sure a good they school. Have... It's a very good school, so they don't need to help. Yeah. They have some, <laughs> the you more know... I think about that, the angrier it makes me. <laughs> they, had some, they had an important meeting or they had something to do that day that they couldn't have foreseen. Yeah, well, and they, you know. they couldn't say, you know, until the very last minute. T- making text, tech and makes. Yep, yep. I, I uh, yeah, so, yeah, I love going. I love going to the. Uh, I love going on the field trips. I love the sound of like two hundred six-year-olds. Yeah, I love their. I love the sound of their little voices. I love what they think is is the right way to get into a line. Mm-hmm. You know, they're lovely, lovely little children, and and uh, I, and it's my pleasure. It's my privilege to be there. You know, but if, if I if I can just be uh, that particular guy, um, one thing I will say, and I want to I want to underscore this because I I think this is fucking important, is that it is is unfair and th- think of all the things you want about all the various things about how this is all complicated bullshit for white people. But here's the thing, like if you want your kid to go to a good school, make it the place where you're going to help out at least a little bit. I'm not even saying, you know what? I'm not even saying you have to like be that person who sh- shows up to set up and clean up and do whatever. You don't even have to be that person. You you could even just be the person who helps out a little bit at the auction. But you know what? Even below that, like come in the school, 
talk to people, introduce yourself, meet the librarian. This will come in handy because your child will lose a book and you're eventually going to be in Dutch with the librarian. And it's nice to, that's just practical. But like learn about the other kids and parents and teachers at the school. Like don't just show up and make a beeline in and out. Treat it like it's a place you care about. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be emotional about this, but like it, it is it is really frustrating because I do feel like this might be a caricature, but I do feel frustrated that my sense is a lot of the people, uh, the, the largest cohort of people with super high expectations also Venn diagrams nicely with the cohort of people who do fuck all to help out. Mm-hmm. And that makes me mad in the same way that made me mad in my early 20s when people came to parties and said they were bored. Well, you know what? There's one great way that this party could be less boring. You could either fucking leave or you can help. You could bring <laughs> ice. You could bring beer. And no, we don't want to play your tape, Todd. But you could help out. That's all I'm Why saying. Why didn't you want to play Todd's tape? Todd always puts too much fucking reggae on there. Oh, my God. Like a little bit of reggae and everybody's loving it. Dunk, 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 dunk. Uh-huh. Dun, dun, yep. dun, dun, dun. I hope you like a jamming, too. <sighs> yep. One time, my friend Michael made a mixtape uh, that was all P-Funk and Wire. He, he also, <laughs> just, I think he wanted to provoke people, and it was also his two favorite bands at the time. But yeah. it's really hard to go from up on the downstroke to Field Day for Sundays. Like, the ladies are not dancing to that. No, no, it's it's like record scratch. Uh, anyway got a little emotional about that but that's frustrating to me and like the the the, like you know what it is it's frustrating that they're not helping it's frustrating that they're adding workload to people who already have plenty of workload be fucking leave me but it it also just frustrates me that like you wouldn't have the presence of mind to think what is one really obvious way that this school could be made better and most people well, think that means you should write a letter instead of saying you know what drop by and pick up a broom if you ask somebody for a broom they'll find you a broom there's so much stuff that needs to be done at that school that hasn't been done in years because there's just not enough people however we got here that's just how life is but you got to pitch in yeah and i do feel that i do feel that there's this tendency certainly in these schools that have five-star ratings for people to feel like it is, yeah, it's a private school in that case. You know, it's like a they're rich schools, and so rich people get to act rich there. Um, yeah, have the nanny drop off the kid and pick up the kid, and and um, have you have your chauffeur go over who happens to be named Jeeves, which is no accident. Oh, see, don't yeah. name your kid Jeeves. Don't name your They'll kid Jeeves. They'll end up being a ch- chauffeur. You think you want, to keep, you want to keep doing the show at nine? You think? Uh, it's real hard to. I think I think we should stick with it. I think this is good. You got the school year starting. This is going to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now the thing is, we usually record on Mondays. We had to reschedule because it's August and everything is chaos. Do you usually get a better, worse, or more or less the same night o sleep? Sunday night into Monday morning. How's your sleep on most Sunday nights compared to the other nights? Well, this is, the, again, another thing in the category of things that I do not measure or record. Mm-hmm. Um, All just kind of runs know, together. Yeah, like I don't know often that it is Sunday or Monday, for oh, instance. Oh, I see. You you took it and you turned it. You're going up a higher level to like, how would I even know if I don't even know what day it is even? Well, yeah, and like, you know, like... Uh, like you were saying, 
well, I like these coffees. I don't like those coffees. And I was like, I just get a different coffee every time. Yep. And I never connect. I get it. I get it. The dots. And it's the same kind of with the like, oh, I didn't sleep very well last night. Oh, is it because it was Sunday? Boy, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And partly maybe it's because I don't keep a sleep diary or something. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. I didn't but, get um, to as much yeah. as I would like. Last night I had six hours and 38 minutes. That's a lot. Uh, not That's for me. Nice. My Six average this week is minutes. average is seven hours ten minutes this week. Last hour, last week seven hours five minutes. I try really hard to be asleep. This is so interesting. This is one thing I talk about on every podcast I do, and I know people love it. Is that right? Oh yes. I and mean, when I say every podcast I do, I mean it'll come up every time I talk how my sleep is going. How many podcasts do you do now? All of them. Yeah, but is it like four or know, six? Something, something like that. Like Between that. four and six? No, it's like four. Four. Four, four podcasts. You're on one four, of them. Four podcasts. Yeah, you're on one of them. Yep. Okay. And uh, so I try really hard to be asleep before 11. I rarely make that. And I try really hard to be up before 7. So in, in an ideal world, I would go to bed at 10.30 and get up at 6.30. Wow. But that's hard for me to do because I like to watch TV at night. And then I like to sleep a little in the morning, but I also want to be helpful in the morning. And it's my job to brush hair, and I have to make a note to put in her lunch. And there's the things that I have to do that I choose to do. Choose what's them, the, I do. Uh, what's the what is the current uh, brush hair situation there? Oh boy, let me send you a recent photo. Her hair is pretty long, and and over the summer. You know, you, we're not quite as exactly dogged about you will take a shower and wash your hair every single night. Sometimes yeah. you're like just vacationing and you got home at nine o'clock and that's not going to happen tonight. And like, sure. I, I'm a huge advocate for we need to, she, that her hair must be brushed somehow twice to three times a day. Uh-huh. And if you don't, and no, no, I mean the full deal, like all the way through, you get out any of those little knots and whatnot. Cause I'll tell you, if you only do it in the morning, Every morning, yeah. So that's, that's my not job. Enough. My job is I get started. I get the big stuff. I, I get most of the grander patterns, but there's two like mini knots on the side. My wife specializes in, so she comes in and does the finishing work. And if there's a braid, a side braid, a French braid, she will do that. Whereas oh, I, I am so only, you... I'm only in a position to offer uh, headgear. It's a little bit of a division, a, a, a nice division of labor where your wife does the technical work, and you do the kind of the heavy lifting. Oh, geez. Uh, she does all the lifting of all kinds. but uh, I mean, I'm talking about in the hair. Oh, with the hair, she cares more, and she's better, so she'll always win that one. Um, I see. Here's a photograph. That's her this morning after the braid. She's got some cool sparkly pants and uni- unicorn shoes. You know, I'm much more in the, um, much more in the, like, let it ride family of, um, How's her hair doing? But I'm the only Spoken one that... Spoken like somebody who doesn't have to comb it out when it gets bad. No, I do. I'm the okay. only one that I'm the only one that she will uh, let do. Really? Because I feel like it's not only like I want my daughter to not, not look like a Dickens character. It's also just self-preservation. It's not competition. It's more like, holy shit, if I have to deal with this tomorrow and not tonight... Oh, brother. So you let it oh, ride. Yeah, and look you, at all of her hair. Wow. Do you do the... Nice uh, braid. Yeah, look at those shoes. Uh, well, so the those are great. So the thing is that my little girl is still, I'm still able to bathe her, where I'm guessing you are not bathing your daughter anymore. And She brings the bathing, iPad in. She was listening to uh, Clint Eastwood by the gorillas last night while she took her own shower. Yeah, that's, oh my so, God. you know, Marlo is sick. She still, like, gets her hair shampooed by mm-hmm. somebody. You got a little and, bucket? You got a little hand bucket in there? 
No, I have a, uh, but I do have a very good, elaborate sort of hair conditioning regimen. Oh, I love this because she's got that's you big know, she's in our house. That's big, very long hair. Just she, she has your fine hair, right? She has thick, fine hair, right? Lots As opposed of fine to hair. Lots and lots of fine hair. Okay. And so what? And it gets tangled. But what I do is I do this whole like. Then we put the conditioner, and then we brush it. For a long I time. I wish I could get away with that. I would kill to get away with that every yeah. night. As a part of putting the conditioner oh in. Oh, my God. It would make everything so much better. So you're just combing. And then I just, I'll just i get down to a finer and finer toothed comb until I'm combing through it like it is corn silk. Mm. And it has and it has so much conditioner in it now that it's just like, like it, it's like one of those 70s TV commercials where she moves and her hair oh, just moves I, in slow I, I motion. Absolutely. I'm sitting here fantasizing about it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the brush must just go right through it. It does. And so she's oh in the bathtub. She's playing with her toys. She's not even aware her hair is being brushed because it just feels like this sort of because, I mean. Connect, now you're just you're just bragging. We have to get we have to get to Do you that know My point. daughter washes her hands when she gets home without being asked. That oh, did I mention that out loud? I'm sorry. Did it sound like I was bragging? That must have taken a long time. Yeah, my uh, daughter reads almost a book a day. Did I say that out loud? Oh, my did, gosh. That's so weird that I would say that out loud. Sometimes two books a day. Did you put so electrodes weird. somewhere on the floor where it shocked her? If she <laughs> no, didn't? I just said, God answered my one prayer. Yeah. My, 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 my technically, 1.5, two prayers. I hope she likes music, but I really hope she likes reading. Please, God, let her read. I don't care if she's a terrible large adult son. I don't care how she turns out as long as she likes to read. And it's like, I will, that is, I don't care if she, don't tell my wife this. I don't care if she never kicks a ball in her life. Yeah. She keeps reading like this. I'm going to be so happy. Well, there, this, this thing about the hair it actually is a problem even within my own family. Because uh, when other, I mean, like my mom her policy is sit in the goddamn chair. I'm going to brush your hair. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. <laughs> and she, she, mom, she mom is good hold, at it. She doesn't even hold the top. Mom is good at it. She, she, she knows how not to hurt her, but she's also not like brooking any, mm-hmm. any, you know, like sassafras. Yeah. No, she's like, not going to brook any sassafras. Your, ha- your hair is going to get brushed. Here's what's not going to happen. you you leave here without your hair brushed. Mm-hmm. Here's what's also not going to happen. You yell at me while I'm brushing your hair. So, <laughs> You can see I'm eliminating some of these possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I, if her mom picks up a brush across the room, she'll start to cry. And so it's... Really? It's, oh, that must hurt her feelings. It, it does. And it's a real issue because I'm in there, like, just luxuriating through this silken, mm. in this silken slow motion hair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and she's not even... She doesn't put up a fuss at all because because it's the conditioner the conditioner is the secret ingredient but but Never. she will not allow others i know how this is yeah it's weird <sighs> so strange it is a little braggy i have to admit. oh no no but you know what good for you it's a gift yeah oh good my god you. good for you good for both of us you know what we're yeah. all good looking guys we just got our parade mm. <laughs> she took the cimmerillion to school the other day <laughs> That's not readable. You can't read that when you're 50. I know. I think it's a prank. I bought it for her and just said, because they're still reading Lord of the Rings. It's a very, very large books. Um, It is a very, very large book. It's a very large books. Well, they have, I got the edition. First, I got them an edition that I thought was because they wanted to, they'd read The Hobbit and they wanted to do Lord of the Rings. And so I got this like uh, Amazon Prime, right? I got this little box set, but little shitty fucking letters, like a cheap Bible. Cheap, like cheap, like skinny paper and little tiny letters. 
like be careful before you buy a complete Sherlock Holmes, like a you know full. If if that thing's not huge, it's going to be hard to read. That's what I learned. Uh huh. So then I thought, so on the reading the Lord of the Rings, I got him a bigger edition that's got bigger letters and nicer paper. And I thought, I'm just going to get the Silmarillion. I'm just going to put it here. I'm not going to fucking read it. No way. I don't even no, like look at it. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So I'll just leave it here though because they're very into this. Like we sit and watch these movies, and I'm like, which one is Sir Dingus of Doom Place? And they're like, shut up, Dad. It's not even a shut joke. Up, like you don't know, don't know the story. Don't even. My, my my family becomes like John Syracuse. There's like they're like you don't even know what to make fun of when you're watching this, you idiot. But it's you know Elrond. what to make fun of. Yeah, we will yeah. watch some of uh, the Matrix. Oh, I don't know if I would go there, but she's you know she's, she's a nice. sophisticated she's gal. She's almost yeah, 10. she's yeah, she's sophisticated. It's better than you think. It's really, I mean, in terms of like, there's some stuff. Mostly, it's creepy. It's just real creepy. But she loved it. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I mean, and she, it, she, I had to point out that that was Elrond, but like she's mostly got it. Oh, it is Elrond, Mister Anderson. That's, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't see that. She didn't initially, Grok, Grok, the Agent Smith was Elrond. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's, I, I didn't. That's my either. game. That's my my game. Is like you know, you know, you know, you have an old man in your car when you're going down the street, and he just reads all the signs. You, you remember this phenomenon where somebody goes, well, huh. I was talking, I was talking to my kid the other day and as we were driving along and she was reading the signs and I was like, you know, that's a thing, right? That's an old man. Thing. That's we- a thing. <laughs> that's a thing that little old men do where they read every single street sign. And she was I, like, I thought it was a joke, but it's true. I'll move yeah. drive along and I'll go, huh? Huh? huh. Hmm. A- Axis Ajax monuments. Yeah. Rest Kentucky area coming up. fried chicken. Yeah. There's a uh, truck stop up here. Oh, we're watching this uh, Nanny McPhee movie. We had a sleepover, and our guest wanted to watch Nanny McPhee. And we were watching, and I go, huh. I was like, look at that. That's the gal from uh, all the Harry Potter. That's uh, Professor Trelawney. Professor Trelawney. She's wearing a lot. Of, and look at that. That's, that's, uh, that's Professor Umbridge, you know, from the, uh, the Ministry of Magic. She's playing the, uh, the cook in this. And they're like, Dad, just close IMDb. Like, stop talking. Huh. I... I- I really like it. Uh, I really like that you're, that uh, Jimmy Stewart comes out of you uh, a little bit. If not in uh, impersonation, very much in like comportment. You know, no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure I put my pants here. <laughs> why, why do people keep moving my pants and my coins? <laughs> now I'm turning. Now I'm turning into a Southern Belle. I just love that tan tan. All right. Uh, you know, uh, I think we should keep going at nine. I think we should stick with it. I know it's a pilot program, but look, I, look, you, what do you think? Should we keep with it? Uh, it hasn't. It's not a. I don't think that it's a question of nine or ten because I think if it was at ten, I would have stayed up another hour. Mm. You know, it's it's not that it's too early. It's just that I okay. need to figure out a different way to live. Do you want to move it to eight? What if it, what if we did it at six? Then both of us would be like get a get You're a good start to our day. What if we were both mutually inconvenienced? What if we do it at five thirty a.m.? You know, what if we did it at five thirty p.m.? That would be really inconvenient. Okay. Oh yeah, that would suck. Oh, that would be extremely inconvenient. Oh no, <laughs> that would be terrible. I I don't think I'd be able to do that. Four forty-five to five thirty. That's not a time that I book stuff. What about that? That's what perfect. If we Let's really, do it. What if we really <laughs> fucked ourselves up, right? Send you an invite. I don't understand why you don't go out more. 